Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. We are here again this week, and uh, Beverly continues to be on hiatus. So this week, it's me and the amazing Kelly Hogaboom um, coming together to talk about our topic. But first, let me mention our sponsors. We have Stocks Patterns from Germany. Lindy has contributed an octopus panel. These are knit panels that often have stripes, but sometimes don't. Um, and usually the stripes are positioned such that I would expect the fabric to be used side, like the stripes going side to side. Um, that's the way the knit panel is usually positioned and it'll have a screen printed huge octopus on it. Oh so that's God. one of our prizes. And our other prize is a pattern from Meliot Patterns, which has recently started doing some size expansion in their stuff. So that's the excitement for our giveaways this month for PF Superfan. Right. But, I just pulled up the octopus. <laughs> Sorry. I was very excited. It's so to amazing, see that. right? Yes. You know, I'm a fan <laughs> of the cephalopods. Anyway, yes. I made myself um, one of Stock's Patterns patterns as a uh, octopus dress and I really love it and Lindy gave me um, about a year ago gave me a a shorter top with the octopus print on it as well that was pre-made and I was so excited by it very very nice yeah I've made a lot of octopus garments from literally the um, Cala Maria headpiece from the game Cuphead some of our listeners will know exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about and of course there there's a bunch of octopus quilting cotton stuff that is just really special and like there's a lawn that has like a teal and a purple and a pink and it's been around forever I can't remember the designer anyway yes we love there's something about me is wanting to say ruby star but I'm not sure because I think I have that one um and Charlie Harper has done squids which aren't the same and I get that but I think I can be excused for including squids in the category of sea creatures with many limbs Yes. Okay. So it's Anna Anne Marie Horner lawn, which I ah, bet there you hard, go. yeah, that was so long ago that I bet it's hard to find it. But um that's a great but yeah, design. octopus, anything that's a multi-legged sea creature, um, basically belongs on all the things. I'm I'm a huge fan. Yes. Go I ahead, think you've got some great things going. For oh. me, it's super boring. I've been working on Melba's. These are an amazing dress from Mona and Broad that is in no way my style. Most people who see me wearing it or when I post it on my Instagram, they're like, really? You love that? I'm like, yes, I love the shit out of it. And here's why. The thing that people aren't thinking about is it's got these deep side slits that you can make deeper if you choose to. That mean I have a very conservative, appropriate for any workspace garment I can wear that also shows off my tattoos on my thighs, which is really hard for me to show off otherwise. So I'm very excited by it. I love this garment. It is simple, very quick to make under an hour from cutting to putting it on my body. Um, It's got uh, the beautiful mitered, the way they do the mitering at the, where the hem splits is intuitive and gorgeous. Even if I do almost every time. So at least one of the mitered parts together so that it's not on the inside of the garment and I have to rip it and sew it again. Right. But that's me. That's not the garment. That's like a, moiv- a moivus. That's a moivus miter, right? Because it twists. Yes. Yeah. yes, it's exactly that. But it's so gorgeous and it works well in a, a, in a plain linen, which is one of my favorite things in the world, or a canvas. It's a really nice look for that. 
You have a giant back piece that you can. In my case, I've been putting screen print patches on it, but you could, it's a great art location. If you want to paint on it, if you want to chain stitch on it, if you want to attach patches, if you want to color block or anything else, there's just the back piece is one piece. The front piece is one piece. And, and there's just so much opportunity. I love the V. I'm looking at the one you're wearing and it's yeah. this really gorgeous, very soft V that is almost like sternum. Like it's not super deep, but yeah, yeah. very nice. It's yeah. not super deep, which is also helpful for me because when I sit, I tend to show more cleavage. And again, for me, for an office purpose, I am more comfortable with less cleavage no matter what the dress code of my office is, I am more comfortable with less cleavage in an office environment. And so this V, I don't adjust it at all. This is as gotcha. written on the pattern. I have not changed the level of it. And when I sit, many Vs sort of drop. I'm not sure what the body thing is that happens there, but either they drop or I rise up. But either, either way, I tend to end up with um, with a lot more information being shared about the the depth and breadth of my chest. So display. So one more question, is it a dolman style or a set in sleeve? I can't quite tell. It is not a set in sleeve. It is straight up and down the sides and I'm just adding a cuff to where the, so it'd be the equivalent of a, not even a dolman necessarily. It's a grown on sleeve for sure, except it's not grown on. I sew the cuff on to make it happen. And so it's, Yeah. That's my favorite t-shirt. I developed my own pattern, but it's like a million other dolmans um, where it like barely has a sleeve. Like, yeah. and then I, I just, something about that. I love it. I, I think it's elegant and casual and it's kind of, it is a little gender fluid. Um, anyway. Yeah. Wonderful. I totally have a theory about that. That's almost certainly wrong, but for a person of my age, that particular sleeve configuration, especially on a knit tee, reminds me of um, Greece, a thousand shows I watched when I was a kid on television, where some bad boy has yes. his sleeve rolled up, maybe with cigarettes in it, maybe without, but that sleeve length and treatment looks a lot like that to me. And I think that's part of what the appeal is. Not yes. that I'm thinking that's what I want. I want to be knicky. Absolutely. It's more of a it just brings back a warm feeling about a thing I liked at a time, you know, same exact. I feel the same way. And that is like my style board is like greaser or like Bruce Springsteen where the, his Mm -hmm. sleeves mysteriously Mm -hmm. fell off. Yeah. Which I just have those little like chubby arms, but I know what, so what, like, that's okay. I can let them fly. I don't have the biceps going, but that's all right. I have super chubby arms and uh, it works for me. I, I really enjoy this style even though it's not necessarily my natural. Well, like it looks great. Have, so. And you, you've got some yesterday. Have, how many yesterdays have you made? I am up to 28 now. Are you? Okay. Um, wow. I genuinely think I'm going to hit 50 before I'm done. The problem is I kind of have a closet goal of 20 garments. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I know. Right. And so it means that there are definitely some yesterdays that will be part of my next clothing sale, which unfortunately will be over by the time this airs. However, I bet there will be some in the one after that as well, uh, because I like making them so much. And there are ones that I finish and I'm like, it's a great dress, but it's not, it's not me enough. I need yeah. a different one to be me enough. So. And thank you for sharing the actual <laughs> color of Procyon dye that you used. 
Yeah. That's very helpful because I can't really guess and figure that out for diets that I'm not experienced enough dire. I find that to be really difficult. And I, I, I die enough that there's some where I'm like, oh, definitely shiitake mushroom, but most of them I cannot guess. I, I, and I'm really sad when people don't include that as part of their tagging or part of their description, because, because the images that are out there, there aren't a lot of good catalogs of ice dyed versions. There's a lot of good catalogs of what it looks like if you mix it in with water, boil it up and put your fabric in it. But when it comes to how's, how are the dyes that are composed of different colors, how are those going to bloom? There's less information. There's a group on Facebook you might be part of called the process of ice dyeing. Have you, mm-hmm. are you in there? And I think there are lots of people who've done swatches, but I haven't seen like a single location where they've uploaded them. Yes. And if, if you were going to do a swatch project, you would want the same lighting and all of that, that stuff. Yes. But The wasabi is gorgeous. I have to say, Jenny, I'm loving it. Love it. It's such a beautiful color. And I, when I put those together, my thought process was, I think all greens go with all greens and all greens go with all blues. So I was just going to pick some things that would bloom in those directions. And I was really pleased with that, how that one came out, because I think it was my most adventurous dye experiment using three not obviously meant to go together colors and finding out what would happen and hoping what would happen wouldn't be muddy. <laughs> no. Because that's I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And well, as a side beautiful. note on that, that was nine yards I died all at once. Oh. Nine yards, which is the most I have ever died at once. Previously I'd maxed out around six. So it was all nine yards in one pile of ice. Well, I'm about to do a little ice dyeing on some knits. So wish me luck because we were talking about this, I don't know, last time where it's like, we only have happy accidents. You never get the actual result that you want. Yeah. So we have to, I don't know. It's, it's true. And sometimes I get one out where I'm like, I reach out to someone who also loves dyed fabrics. And I'm like, is this one you want? Because it's not working for me. There's nothing yeah, wrong yeah. with it. It just isn't. Yep. It's not I for me. You. Anyway, well, awesome. What have you been working on? Every, all of my projects are kind of kicking my ass right now. Um, So I am working on a sort of a version of a coverall, but more cat suit ish. And that is for an author whose book is being made into a movie. So that is going to be like a red carpet look. And I have had, it's been a cursed project. I've I've ordered the sateen three times and the supplier has said, we don't have that anymore. So um, yeah, I think I finally turned the corner on that project and um, I'm, I'm loving, it's just like a little cursed project. I'm also making a three piece suit for a client. I'm not sure if she wants me to say who she is, so I won't yet. But what <laughs> I will say is that she is very tall, very curvaceous and wants a very fitted three piece suit. That is, um, I was describing the suit to my husband. I was like, okay, so she's built like this. She wants it double breasted with a deep shawl collar and a back peplum. And I was describing all of this and he said, that doesn't seem possible. And I'm like, it's, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So uh, I've turned the corner on that and that we had a fitting the other day and it's looking amazing. Um, that that's going to be a lot of fun. I put a lot of research into that. I'm also making a top secret B-movie inspired piece for a certain somebody uh, that may or may not have inspired the Ruffles conversation today. And 
I'm doing a a wizard robe of all things um, for somebody in in a bunch of great linen. So this garment is going to weigh an awful lot by the time I'm done because it's lined. Yeah. And, yeah. Which I'm I love handling huge quantities of linen to make a cloak that is like right up my alley. So what are your thoughts on linen and weight and how to manage it when you're piecing together a project out of linens? Because I want to make the dress I'm wearing now, this Melba dress, out of all my scraps. Like I want to, and I'm thinking I would build fabric that's a little bigger than the pattern piece sizes, yeah, yeah. but not a lot bigger. And I would probably flat shell those seams because I think I'll be happier in the long term with the wash and wearability of that. But I have concerns about adding all those seams and it's not a lot of extra weight because it's all the same weight linen as I'm wearing now. But once you start putting that in, I'm, I'm concerned about whether it'll be too heavy or too bulky in a weird way or yeah. too drapey. That's a great question. And I'm assuming part of your question is, can I cut those pieces off grain and will it still drape? Yep. Right. So in my limited experience doing that kind of thing with woven, where I make like a bunch of window pane stained glass, sort of like a big rectangle, then I cut a piece out. It has worked just fine. Okay. I, I don't think the weight will be too much. Um, I hear you though, that it's more weight because you've got all those seams. Um, it'll probably be a beautiful experiment and, uh, I don't know. I, as you know, I love, I love anything zero waste. And that is like ringing that bell yeah. for me. Sounds great. What's funny for me is honestly, I never thought about zero waste until I started the podcast with Beverly. And that's something Beverly's really fond of as well. And it comes up a lot in our conversations. And partway through that, I suddenly started saving my linen scraps, which I honestly had just discarded, which either meant giving them to a child who might use them or taking them as a bag of linen scraps to a thrift store or something else or throwing them away because I had no particular use for them unless I was going to make a whole garment because I also wasn't a color blocking person. Right. So if I didn't have enough left to make an X, why would I keep it? There'd be right. no purpose for me. Um, but I've started saving them and I have, I have a, I mean, probably like one of those giant Rubbermaid totes, the biggest of the big of those that they sell at like Home Depot. I have at least one of those that's just full of sort of linen scraps. And they mostly are quarter yard plus scraps. Um, but, and I don't think I want to do just stripes. Like I want a piece in different ways, but I thought it might be fun. Yeah, I wish I had the rug maker I used to have because I would save my natural scraps, you know, cottons, linens, yeah. and give them to the rug maker. And she, I think she did a crochet process, right? Like where she, yeah, um, because, you know, I've owned rugs made out of scrap and they lasted forever. And yeah. I, but I don't want to make them because I just yeah. don't. But yeah. yeah, if you're, if you're into zero waste, it's always a, fun, creative, and occasionally annoying challenge to, um, you know, figure out what to do. It's like, you're taking responsibility for so much. You're not just like chucking things in the garbage. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a wild, a wild process. And I've done a little bit of sort of more color blocking use of scraps, but this will be my first, I think, true patchwork for clothing 
intentionally for clothing. I have made clothing out of quilt tops I've made, but they were intended to be quilts. And and eventually I was like, whatever, I'm just going to make clothes. (laughs) So I think that's different. (laughs) Yes. No, I think, I think you'll love the result. I don't know if you'll wear the result, but you don't, you only wear like 30% of what you make, right? Yeah. yeah. I wear almost everything one time. One time, right. Almost, but not everything. Like there are, there are pieces right now that I intend to sell in my next sale that I will have to intentionally go take a photograph of in order to get, to get sold because they weren't things that inspired me enough that I chose to wear them out of the house for an entire day of whatever, which is usually how I get photos is not, not a planned set of photo shoots, but instead I get out of my car at the end of the day and I go stand in front of a tree or a house or a road and take pictures. Right. And so if I haven't worn it for the day, it probably didn't get pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> anyway, super exciting. So for Ruffles, let's talk inspiration. Okay. So um, I, I have worn maybe no ruffle ever in my life. <laughs> um, uh, I was sort of inspired because I was, I'm doing ruffles for, for something special right now and I'm experimenting. And the first, my first pot thought that came to mind was the ruffler attachment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody has seen this or every sewist has seen this. When you pick up an old sewing machine at a garage sale and there's a bunch of feet, it's going to be the goofiest, sharpest looking. It looks like a little like shark almost, right? Yeah. Have you used your ruffler attachment ever? I have used a ruffler attachment twice in my life. Once when I was quite young and have very little memory of it. And once when I purchased the sewing machine before the one I use now, it came with a ruffler and pre-pandemic, they were doing classes on how to use all the things that came with it. And so they showed us how to use it there. And I used it there. And that was the last time that I really Mm -hmm. used it. I've used my gathering foot more consistently. Um, I've used a pleater more consistently, but the ruffler for whatever reason, I haven't really used. So I've never used a gathering foot, although we've all accidentally gathered something, uh, which was annoying. Um, I didn't realize a ruffler attachment that there was a screw that would let you fix the depth of the ruffles. Yeah. And that, that means that you could, you know, do either math or a scrap and really get that math perfect because you can decide how many stitches it's like either every stitch, every sixth or every 12th, and then you adjust the depth of the ruffle and they are, there's plenty of YouTube videos. There's a really cool channel called dad sews, I think. And there's a fellow who did three ruffler um, tips. He's like, here's three tips. And I watched the video. I'm like, he's not going to tell me something I don't already know, but he did. Uh, so I definitely, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find that video and, and chuck it in there. But um, it, it is nice. Like I, I personally use a gathering technique. Um, I'll probably do a video of that and link it in the show notes. I do the three thread gather, like three threads within the quarter inch at the edge and actually using as short a stitch possible. I don't remember where I learned this, but it is the best gathering uh, technique I've ever used. But of course, ruffles are different than gathers. Although if you're using a every one stitch, you kind of are gathering, right? Not ruffling. Right. Right. There's definitely some overlap there. And I bet for most people listening ruffling and gathering are the same thing. Like practically speaking, that's what they're doing. I know for me, practically speaking, I'm, I'm pretty much gathering and it looks ruffly and I'm happy. 
Yeah. Um, because that's a, that's the practical space that I land at for most things I do, because I'm really looking for less oh. of what you would think of as that inspired ruffle look. Yeah. So, uh, the first ruffled garment I ever made was the folkwear childhood dreams, um, pattern. Mm-hmm. So it's a nightgown with kind of like a super high empire kind of waist bib situation with ruffles and a gathered puff sleeve. And my, both my mother and I made one of, oops, both my mother and I made, that's all right. We made one for my oldest kid. Like my mom made one and I made one. And that was like a super early sewing project for me when my kid was tiny, but we've talked about folkwear before. Like they are really fun patterns like not a great size range as as far as I'm aware but like really fun techniques and they've started to expand some of them to Mm. meet our requirements for the podcast where they have like a 56 57 inch hip which is smaller than I am but still um not not the worst of the size ranges but definitely not there's a lot of space to go but they they've added this year a number of patterns like that and they recently did a poll asking people what they would like to see as the next patterns that they extend. So I think, I think there's some effort being made, even if it isn't quite where it needs to be yet. Yeah. And I, I, I like all of the sort of big rectangles and triangles and simple shapes in folklore. Yeah. I, I just am attracted to that as um, it, can, you know, obviously this is like old school, old, old school sewing, yeah. right? <laughs> like yeah. the, people didn't have rotary, like, French curve, you know, they didn't have that yep. stuff. They're cutting, cutting rectangles or tearing rectangles out of their fabric, right? Yeah. And these are, um, so I found folklore patterns back in the 80s um, and was sewing from them for children. And I made my father, which I sewed by hand, a kilt out of their kilt pattern. Um, and it was, it was all super exciting. Uh, the owner of Folkware now lives in Asheville near, near where oh. I am. So occasionally I'll, I'll run into the owner at, um, sewing events locally. And so, I'm, I'm excited that they've done that. When I, when I was looking at that Folkware nightgown pattern, I realized I, I had bought the flamenco dress pattern a million years ago. It was well <laughs> past my skill set at the time. But I was like, okay, those are flounces. And then I was like, wait, Kelly, what's the difference between a ruffle and a flounce? So I did link to that in the show notes. So of course, in a flounce, the um, the length of the ruffle is the exact same length as what you're attaching mm-hmm. it to. And it comes out in a circular shape. Whereas a ruffle, you have an actual gather at the seam. So that was like, it's like I kind of knew that, but I didn't, I couldn't articulate it. So I thought that was yeah. Of- for me, I've always thought of it as, because it is, I guess, exactly that, the difference between a circle skirt and a gathered skirt, right? Yes, <laughs> is right. The, is what you're looking at it. So it, I, I think it, I think, in fact, in some past episodes, you'll find me saying, well, I have one of those little circle skirts on the end of my arm. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right. Because I don't always remember the word flounce. <laughs> but but if I say circle skirt, surely you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And like this, this three-piece suit I'm making where my client wants a quite a full like peplum at the back I did a combination of of ruffle and flounce so it has that bell shape but then I still am gathering the top because I she wanted a lot of fullness right yeah I I can imagine that I did a double circle skirt last year 
um, because I wanted real fullness on a dress I was dying and embroidering and Ooh. that had a skirt on it. So it was, I it would was love to see that. That feels like a lot of twirling action can be had there. It is so much twirling action, but I will tell you that the hem on that is a son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. You're just hemming and hemming. (laughs) My little wizard cloak client, he wants a more full wizard robe, right? So it's like, okay, do I make it with a go with go days? Do I like add panels, right? Like all of that fullness, but it's pretty fun to play with that actually. In my opinion. Fullness is a lot of fun to play with. I think for me, the only regret I ever have ends up being when I have to hem it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> there's something about getting that hem. I can be even for about nine feet. Um, and I am not always good at being even beyond nine feet. Yeah. So are you saying that you like press, do you press it first or do you just fold and go? Oh, of course I don't press it. Yeah, okay. no, I <laughs> I, that's just, it's beyond my skill set to do that. I do often, if it's a circle skirt, I'm probably surging it first right. and I'm, I'm lifting the thing. So it's slightly gathering it in, slightly pulling it in. Yeah. I, I never remember quite what the, what the description of that one is on my machine. It's, I go up by one notch or two notches and, a, and I, uh, you know. Yeah, I use the bond roll for long, 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 long hems if if it's a baby hem situation, right? The, the yeah. bond roll. I have like yards and yards and yards of bond roll and it works really beautifully on everything. But yeah, if you want a deeper hem, of course, yeah, it is a pain in the ass. It is. And my my daughter uses the bond roll as well for all of her sort of 50s, 60s skirts with full hems. She she's better about doing the right thing yeah. <laughs> than I am. I'm I'm a little bit lazier. Mm. Well, so awesome. I wanted to find a picture of my creature from the Black Lagoon hat that I designed on Spoonflower and then cut. And because the the gills on the creature are actually ruffled, so I um, I'll have to dig that. I think I'll just have to take another picture, but. I'm about ready to redesign that one. I just want to make some improvements, but I know you'd love it because I know you are a big fan of Creature. Yes, I am very much. I'm not wearing it today, but I had a dress on the other day that has the Creature, a screen print, a small screen print patch of the Creature on the back. I saw um, that on your Instagram. Did you yeah, buy that print from like I did. Etsy? That, or, uh-huh. that came from Etsy. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of having other people do things I'm not very good at. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so I do love that. The creature is absolutely amazing. And it's something that is a bonding moment for my younger daughter, my husband and I. The creature was always her favorite. Um, The first of her birthday parties where she was old enough to have friends over was a creature of the Black Lagoon themed birthday party. Because in the, I guess, early 90s, they released VHS, VHS version of the creature where you could push a button on the front and it made noises from the movie. <laughs> oh, I, I can hear it. Yeah, obviously, I mean, my poster right behind me, Creature, mm-hmm. I'm a big Creature fan. You know, the f- first universal monster that wasn't based on a literary work. That's right. Female designer. <laughs> yes, Creature, I'm a big, big fan. And of course, the image is now in public domain, so you can mess with it as much as you want, right? Super wonderful. Yes. Awesome. What else inspires you for ruffles? I guess the last thing I had in the, that I was thinking of is my favorite ruffles of all time 
come from the 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula film by Francis Ford Coppola. So um, Aiko Ishioka won the best um, costume Academy Award, I believe, for this work. And yes, so it's kind of funny because I feel like this film, a lot of people kind of clown it and they clown Keanu Reeves performance, but I love this film unreservedly. And I've included in the show notes, the best ruffles I've seen in my life, which are the character Lucy as played by, I think, English actress Sadie Frost. And she has this wedding outfit. So, you know, not to spoil a book that is like 150 years old or whatever, but... (laughs) She dies and they bury her and she's literally in her wedding gown in the coffin, which is so like awesome and gothic and grotesque. But in that film, she is wearing the most amazing um, outfit when she comes back from the dead. And actually the designer used a lizard, a frilled lizard as inspiration. So you can, and you can, you know, watch this and read this, but she's got, not only a giant neck ruff, but her headpiece has these like arching ruffles that are gauzy. I mean, I just love it. It is so over the top. And um, honorable mention to another outfit the same actress is wearing uh, in, and it's a like full body corset with a series of uh, vertical, tiny, tiny ruffles. It's like a vermilion. And those are probably my favorite ruffles ever. And they come from the same film and the same designer. Even though I don't wear ruffles, I'm a big fan. I have always loved a neck ruff. (laughs) A neck ruff is one of those things where I wish I could figure out a way that it made sense to wear one. Because for the most part in my life, how I experience the world, it makes no sense at all for me to have a neck ruff. But I would love it if that were suddenly to be a thing that was okay. Yeah, I feel like that that piece by Katie Cortman that you like that wasn't a ruff, but it was like a little capelet, and it had. I'm like, that's a that's approaching the neck ruff territory. And I do, yeah, I do do a lot of little ponchos that are just like mid bicep length, which is sort of the acceptable neck ruff because it's a capelet, except it doesn't have a front opening or a back opening. <laughs> Well, we're seeing some of those. I, I may, I'm spacing out on her name, but she goes by Chubby Dust Bunny on um, Jacqueline Whitmore. She has these, a copper vintage, I think. Anyway, she has these collars. You're seeing these like detachable collars lately. Those yeah. have become back in vogue. And I'm seeing her and others, they're doing sort of more garish collars. They're not demure by any means. And like to me that reminds me it's like encroaching on neck rough territory yeah i i agree that it can be and there's some of those i've really i've really enjoyed looking at and i know like the bakerloo dress has a giant collar that has um gathered or ruffled edges on it sort of like like little very narrow ones okay Um, and there are there are some other collar patterns, and Katie Cortman, of course, has very much embraced the detachable collar with with big feelings around it. So, oh so yeah, yeah so some things there you can do. The Bakerloo, <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it before, so it has the like two layers of deep pilgrim yeah. collar with the like ruffle on the inside. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of these collars, and yeah, you know, I 
I just don't like things around my neck, but um, I have a lot of friends who like a lot of drama right there. Right. So I'm glad to see this stuff coming back in. It's, it slowed me down a little too, because I don't like things right up on my neck. The first thing I do when I get a t-shirt is cut the ribbing off Mm. because probably I'm not going to be satisfied with that since many t-shirts are unisex and my neck is apparently bigger than either gender um, in a unisex situation. It's a very weird term, right? Um, but yeah, that, that neckline never works for me. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I find it interesting. Now for me, I follow the hashtag ruffles for days <laughs> because, because I find a lot of inspirational items in there and it's a, it's a combination of ready to wear sort of couture stuff and handmade stuff. You don't know what you're going to find. Also a lot of flowers because let's be honest, ruffled roses and other, other flowers right. are true thing and they are definitely some of the inspiration for ruffles and clothing there's no doubt i um, that hashtag is amazing i i'm glad it caught on right like that there yeah. i don't know i don't know who engendered it um i'm looking at something by green stitch witch that she made or they made um and i'm not seeing the pattern but it has i don't know how to describe this maybe you do the ruffles are almost like in a princess seam spilling outwards towards the shoulders. Right. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. 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 So pretty. Oh my gosh. I I just love it as an inspiration, even though a lot of the things that appear are things that I'm probably not going to try for me, but they also help me because when they appear on my feed, they're a reminder that I really, really love ruffles. And even if I can't incorporate them in every garment, I don't want to forget that I love them. Um, and as we've already mentioned, Katie Cortman is a significant inspiration for me for, for ruffles. I've included an image in the show note that is a, um, this is so, so 80s to me. I know I wore this in uh, middle school, possibly early high school. Um, a sleeveless or sleeved garment can go either way, but where you've got a ruffle coming down, it's got a jewel neck collar, but a ruffle that interrupts the garment at an angle coming down in a V. Um, there are several patterns. Uh, I think Fiber Mood has released one that's similar to that. I want to say probably Taco, the magazine has done that as well. But there are patterns that start by offering you that as a a yoke okay. that you can cut and insert in. And sometimes they even include the ruffle. But it's also something that it would be relatively easy to, when you're copying your pattern, to choose to make a break there and add some seam allowance to have this sort of ruffle that doesn't encroach on your neck. Although boy, does this shirt with the high jewel neckline (laughs) do exactly that. But I I like that concept too. I, I, I honestly, if it, if I look at it and I think big and buoyant and and no one could possibly stop looking at you when they see this type of ruffle, that's my favorite kind of ruffle. So I think that meets the definition. I love it too, because it's evocative of a cap sleeve at the shoulder, right? Yeah. And I'm a big cap sleeve person. So very cool. And look at her bathroom. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. That is, (laughs) I think, yeah, that's part of how I chose this picture because um, if I remember right, this is going to be military housing. And when they moved in, in Japan, she took and printed her images from Spoonflower on stick and peel you know, stuff to put over the tile. And of course the towel behind her is her own pattern as well. The the fabric pattern on it, um, just so creative, so many colorful techniques yeah. in spaces that 
you can't necessarily paint or fully wallpaper. And so that's awesome. I just assumed that was tile. And now I'm seeing that it's uneven and all those things. So yeah. very cool. Live it, live yeah. our best bright and bold life. Absolutely. I love it to death. And that is, that is hugely inspirational to me um, is, is that color color concept too. So um, big deal for me. Uh, we also had a couple of new patterns. Um, I always forget talking about new patterns when the episodes come out because I'm very bad at that. Um, but there were two that were released this week. There's the Nina Lee, um, which are the makers of the Bakerloo Carmel jumpsuit pattern, which is a wide leg, high waist up to a 58 inch hip. So not amazing, um, but an improvement over many. Um, this is a, a, a cute little jumpsuit. It's something where I'm always trying to find a jumpsuit I'll like, or say a coverall that I'll like, and I really, really struggle with it. Um, but this, uh, this looser full waist, but covers up, comes up to your armpit on the sides. Cause a lot of the ones I end up trying are really low and you're meant to wear a tank or a t-shirt under them, but I don't like layering like that. And gotcha. It gets complicated, but it looks cute. And the first image that came up when I Googled, not Googled it, when I went to the website, um, was a, uh, a visibly plus size sewist for this size range, which I appreciated because that is not always the case. Oftentimes I'll go off to look at something, even if it comes in my size range, the model that they're using isn't necessarily evocative of that. So there's lots of um, plus size figures on the landing page and um, it looks like the garment has a um, bust dart situation in it uh, from the sides, which is really nice Four bodice variations. Um, Very, very cute. And like such a summer jumpsuit, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. one of the bodice variations or two of them have a little like Peter Pan style collar, but it's on a V-neck. So I don't know if it's still Peter Pan, but you know what I mean? The little, the little curved collar, which I also think is intriguing, but I'm a wash and wear sort of a person. And I worry about attached collars that they're not going to lie down flat when I pull them out of the dryer three days later after forgetting. Them. Oh yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> well, I just so. know that they're going to have hot sauce and like gravy on them. Cause like all these little white collars, I'm like, nah, man. Oh. Like, yeah. like, I'm messy. No, I, I agree with you on the notion of collars though. If you, if you check Instagram for, um, I want to say it's green styles, Meg, and I can't remember pride. Hanverk. Yep. Okay. Yes. There was a collaboration on a collar. That's a black collar with some chain stitch on it that appeared I on just Instagram saw that. Yes. on the 19th of whatever month this is August. Um, and that one is dainty and adorable and I just love it to death. So, um, another recommendation for less ruffly, but definitely collary <laughs> inspiration. Yes. Maggie has an awful lot of detachable collars. I have made some for her and she's going to have to come up with some kind of detachable collar storage scenario. Soon. Yes. She's on a rampage with those and Tracy made her the, yeah, uh, it's like, there's a safety pin on one side and a, um, a hanger hanger. Yeah. Very good. Yep. In black satin. Very, very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually in terms of storage for that, because why not? We're already pretty far afield. Um, I bet you could use any form of storage that was intended for genuine tie on neckties to store that okay. in the closet yeah. because they have, 
they're already sort of built with a, a clip as a possibility, and some of them are motorized and super fancy. And <laughs> yes, you know, but there are others that are a lot less fancy. Um, I also think they sell hangers that have circle openings on them for scarves, and I bet you could use them as well oh, for collars. Awesome. So, so just a couple of suggestions. Um, (laughs) for all the people who need collar organizing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then Helen's Closet has released a free, so no cost, which is always lovely, dress and top pattern. And it is a, um, it looks like it is a uh, dartless A-line silhouette with spaghetti straps that are probably made from bias tape or something like that going around the neckline and the armholes. Uh, that's intended to be super duper flowy, but you could do something a little bit heavier, maybe not, maybe not all the way to upholstery fabric heavy, um, but a little bit heavier to get a different type of body. Um, and I thought it was super cute. It's really, it seems like a really nice little garment. And it has inseam pockets. I know that you don't always like the pocket scenario. Um, yep. Yep. So it I, reminds me of the Sohouse 7. Don't they have, doesn't she have a spaghetti strap dress as well that is similar? Or am I completely imagining that? I'm not sure whether it's Sohouse 7 or not, but I know that quite a few designers do. Cara Mia just released the Yesterday, which has a version that doesn't have the yoke and just goes straight down and an A-line more or less like this, right? Um, so it's a really similar thing, although I think Caramia's ends like 12 inches above your knee. Like it's, it's a fairly short garment as designed, but it's it's real similar in terms of overall look. Okay, um, yeah, this is- this, the Soha 7 is different. It doesn't have spaghetti straps. It looks like it has bust darts and it has a different type of pocket, but it's there got an A-line, A-line sleeveless, very nice. And their size yeah. range is... I can't remember, but I think they've done well. Yeah. And Helen's closet goes up to a 62 on this one, which is nice. But again, I sort right. of, from my mental perspective, I think things should be pretty much going to 70, um, which That's probably nice. a rant for a different day. But um, but I'm satisfied when things start to exceed. I should never be the the top measurement is really my, my sure. argument. Absolutely. I am, I am, I am not the maximum size of a sewist, so mm-hmm. I should not be the top measurement for your pattern. Um, but yeah, I thought that one was kind of neat. Um, is there anything else you want to share about ruffles? No, except I will say that that Katie Cortman example has me wanting to make that in a t-shirt um, with yeah. a t-shirt ruffle instead of a uh, woven. So you've, you've definitely inspired me in this conversation. Yeah. I, I agree with you that that would be great as a t-shirt. I, I think that would be absolutely brilliant. And I do love the way that it's just barely a sleeve, not really. Yeah. A sleeve. yeah. So, so that's great. I'm glad I could be inspirational. I, I think for me, what I've discovered is what I would like other people to make for me because I love ruffles. I don't like making ruffles, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm going to pull out my ruffler and see if it changes my mind. Like if there's a place where I can feel like, it's okay that I had to change the foot. It's okay that I had to exactly. go through this process. Cause if there is, I might find it more enjoyable. My gathering foot, I almost never use because, okay. So I was going to say, because it does mean changing the bulb and I don't know if that would be meaningful. <laughs> are you talking you. about, are you talking about red dwarf? Cause yes, I, I do. Yes. <laughs> I am in a shorthand all the time for things that are annoying because it does mean we have to change the bulb. And so, um, (laughs) love it. (laughs) So my gathering foot feels that way because it doesn't, I actually have to take like the foot off and put on a different, like I have the, the 
pop on and off okay. bottom part of the foot, but the leg has to come off for my gathering attachment. I have to replace the whole fucking leg and I'm not going to do that. Right. I mean, I, I did a few times, but it's just more annoying than just clipping it, you know, yeah. popping off the old one, popping on the new one. I have to use a screwdriver. It, at that point I'm out. Um, <laughs> I need to practice on a gathering foot because it's kind of like that foot that folds the super tiny hem. Yeah. Like in theory, I know it works, but it just seems like there's a little bit of a curve to getting it right. And so I haven't yeah. tried it. I've like, like wimped out. There is definitely a curve to trying it. And I, and I used it for a while, but once I discovered I could get results, I was happy with by just extending my stitch length and my tension mm-hmm. on my machine to get a, a faux gather. Um, I, I quit doing it because it did mean changing the bulb. So, um, <laughs> since, since we have drifted into gathering a little, as opposed <laughs> to ruffling, another technique I want to recommend, um, is, a very wide zigzag where you feed in the flat type of sewing or um, uh, floss, like tooth floss, like super flat. And then you can pull on the floss and it's in the channel of the zigzag. And that works very well for quick and dirty. Yep, exactly. I will say that it does need to be mint because you do get that burst of mint scent when you are pulling it Nice, very nice. Um, So it makes you feel all better about anything that went wrong with your gathering because now it's mint scented. Exactly. And Um, you can reuse the floss. I have like little floss things wound wound up. Yeah. So yeah, I have, I have little, I use a, I use a bobbin to just capture them because it, you know, it works really well. Um, but yeah, the, the mint is definitely critical. So um, be sure and do that. <laughs> we, we, we have to do an episode on weird. You maybe you've already done this, like weird things in your sewing room that have, you know, that are not sewing supplies, right? Floss we did, or we toothbrush. We did an episode yeah. on it um, over a year ago. And I think it's time to refresh that. Yeah. Sure, weird, what weird shit you have in your sewing room, right? There's so much weird stuff um, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Well, we've been um, going on about it. I love it. Ruffles are my favorite. I can't wait to see your super super secret special project that is inspiring you, Ruffly. Um, I want to remind folks to go to your favorite pod distribution channel and rate and review us. You should only rate us a five star, but definitely review us with whatever words you wish to use. We do read them and care. And in addition, if you want to submit a recording with your rating comments or any other questions, you can uh, use your phone to dial one eight two eight two nine zero nine zero four three, and uh, yeah, that'd give us the opportunity to first off play your voice on a future episode potentially, but also to just take your your questions and answer them. So awesome! And that's uh, that's I guess it, except for um, we will see, see you next, you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frockers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art. 